This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 566 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by Eco Gold Saddle Pads and Protective Boots. Hi, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is from Shauna Koresh. Shauna may be known by many of us as the clicker training lady, but she's actually the take it out of the textbook and put it in the barn lady. Shauna uses scientifically proven training and teaching methods, takes all the science weedy language out, and gives us horse folks amazing tools with which to improve our horse's behavior and performance. Her reward reinforcement training system dramatically increases the training process for any breed or discipline by unlocking the horse's natural desire to perform. What results is an incredible bond between horse and human, a partnership based on success. Today's tip is all about dealing with horses who don't tie. But first, a word from today's sponsor, Eco Gold. Eco Gold uses the latest developments in textile technology plus smart design to make the most advanced saddle pads and protective boots available because Eco Gold doesn't have a one type fits all mentality. Their textile engineering team looks at different issues affecting sport horses' comfort and performance and comes up with the best materials and design for each saddle pad and boot. Improve your horse's comfort with Eco Gold. Ask for Eco Gold saddle pads and protective boots by name at your local tax supplier or visit them online at ecogold.ca. Now, enjoy today's tip. Originally posted on the Horses in the Morning show, episode number 292. Good morning, Shauna. Well, good morning, Glenn. Good morning, Jackie. How are you guys? Well, thank well, you Jamie's so good. much. Oh, Jamie, <laughs> <laughs> It's early here. <laughs> uh, no worries. Well, I, you, uh, I know, because I heard while we were out there, we just got back from our trip to Norco, that you have been to Norco before. I have. I used to take my, um, when I had a Freightliner, I would take the Freightliner in there, because that's where you had to go for service around here, so in uh-huh. Southern California. So I had been to Norco, and I heard you got to be paraded around. Yeah, we had a great time when we were in Norco. What an interesting little town, huh? Yeah, it, it really is. It's full of, just different. It's a, it is an interesting little town. Well, let's, uh, I know that you and Jennifer are going to talk training today, but we've, all the guests that have been coming on, we've been asking them about the holidays. Is there uh, a specific holiday that you can remember, a Christmas day that had a horsey significance to you that you'll never forget? Or do you try and avoid the horses on Christmas day and just uh, do non-horsey things? I tend to have been, you know, I would go away, like a lot of times when I was back east and had the farm, I would go away at Christmas time. So your biggest thing at Christmas was getting um, the people to take care of the horses. So that would be the biggest <laughs> part. Right. Because I, yeah, because it was more of a traveling to see family when I was when I was back east. And then, uh, and so, no, I don't have a particularly uh, horsey Christmas day I can think of. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's uh, have Jennifer take over here and talk a little bit about horses that just won't tie. Okay, thank you, Glenn and Jamie.
My pleasure. <laughs> so we today we're going to chit chat a little bit. Uh, this this question was prompted by uh, out at the barn. We have a couple of horses who are chronically yanking the cross ties or whatever t- whatever kind of tie off the wall and sometimes bringing the whole wall down with them out of the barn. So, um, and most of the people who that I know of out there, they just deal with, like, oh, well, he broke it again. Like, really? You could probably train the horse and maybe make this better. But then maybe they don't know how to train a horse to tie because what exactly do you do? And that's kind of what prompted this discussion. So from the operant conditioning on-target training point of view, um, where does one start with when it comes to a horse that you tie him up and then he decides in the blink of an eye to take the barn down? Where do you start? <laughs> well, the first thing to always consider is if, it, if any behaviors increasing in frequency or happening with consistency, something in the environment, something that's involved with that is, is reinforcing it. So, so they don't do it just because... There, there's no reason for it. There's something. It's serving them in one way, shape, or form. No, no, they they do it to make us angry. We all know that. <laughs> they just do it specifically to see us cringe and be angry and have to go to the tax store and buy more cross ties. <laughs> to wreck our stuff and be spiteful. Right. <laughs> no, that's so, not it? That's not quite it, no. So it kind of, a lot of times, it goes back to a fear-based thing. Because usually when they're doing that, it, 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 it is fear-based. And let's also consider when they break the stuff, it works. They get reinforced because they, they get what they wanted, and that is to not be attached anymore. And sometimes the horses I've seen will just break it and stand there. Like, okay, I'm good. I'm not tied anymore. But a lot of times they take it and then they, they, they're gone. You know, you got to go chase them down. So, yeah. so, so they're getting kind of, they are getting reinforced because their, their issue is working. Um, so, you know, the best thing I try to do is, the first thing I do is I want to teach them how to stand still and how to be tied. And this would also be the same if I have a young horse who doesn't know about being tied, you know, because that's, that can also be very feel for, fearful for the, for a young horse for the first time, and frankly, a lot of these tying issues may come from this early tying thing. So the first thing I do, and I would teach a bad tire to teach like a new tire. So I would basically go back to, you know, getting them back in that area and just first just standing there and reinforcing them. And then also if there's any trigger, if you can find any trigger, if you know it's whenever somebody opens you know, this door that's from the tack room, or it's whenever I pull out the clippers, or it's whenever I'm rubbing their back leg. Whatever, if you do see a trigger, that even helps because you can then kind of work really specifically on whatever is causing them to, to have this reaction. Um, if you have a horse that has a trigger, let's for, say, for example, good old Thunder is going to come back into the conversation. <laughs> good, I like Thunder. Thunder, thunder is, our, is our test dummy. <laughs> thunder invariably breaks his cross tie or his um, short racking tie, whether he's tied to a wall or cross tie, he breaks it any time someone walks into the barn aisle and he hears them walking down the aisle. Do I deal with the tying issue first or do I start with the, um, the trigger first? Wh- which one do I do first? Deal with the trigger first. Okay. Because the- the, the, in that situation, if you can, if you know a trigger, I mean, you know it's this somehow he can't see the people behind him or whatever, and it spooks him. The the, the pulling from the cross ties, the you know the tying issue, is actually a symptom of 
the fear that is related to, to whatever is triggering him. So, I mean, and sometimes it seems really random, but if, if you know a trigger like that, so if you deal with the issue and get him comfortable with people coming behind him and standing and just being relaxed with that or teaching him that people walking behind you is a good thing, it, it will, the, the tying issue will become a moot point because it, it, the fear that, that triggers it will be gone. So that's an easy desensitization, despooking sort of process where you just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't cross time at first. I'd put him in a way, I do everything I can to set him up for success. And if that means first turn them out for a little bit, you know, or, or lunge them or put them in a round pen or do something first before you take them to the cross ties, to, to help them to be settled if that if they're when they're usually when they're more relaxed they're a little more tired they have a tendency to be to have less energy and to be less concerned you know and looking around so I would do whatever I could to set them up for success but then I would start instead of tying him right off the bat I would just stand with just holding him or having somebody hold him whichever it would be and then having somebody walk up from the back and or whatever you know I'm I'm kind of saying the trigger is they're walking down the barn aisle kind of coming behind them. So that's the dog my, park or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So this is right. So this is my, this is my, um, my scenario in my head. I'm thinking for thunder. So um, I would then have somebody walking down the barn aisle, but instead of him being able to break and get loose from things, he, he's attached to me. And the worst thing he'll probably do is spin around to see the person. But ideally, what you're going to do is with the use of a target. I, I mean, you can do it without a target, but a target would make it even more successful because I'd have them. And once they know to touch their nose to a target, it, it's used for a lot of situations where, like, you know, they're looking at a trailer and they go, I don't really want a trailer load. But they see the target and they go, ooh, but I really like the target. Okay, I'll get a little closer to the trailer. And there you start that process. They make a decision for the target because it has a strong positive reinforcement history for them. So a lot of times using the target in a situation with something, and I do use it through the tying, but, you know, let's say for Thunder and his, his somebody approaching him, um, I have the, the target, and a lot of times it happens, he looks at the target and he's so focused on the target because there's so much good history with the target and he loves the target and the target equals good things. A lot of times other things just become an incidental because he's like, I'm all about the targeting. I know what to do with the targeting. I have lots of success here. So, so that a lot of times can take his mind off it a little bit. We're stand In this case, we're going to use the aisle way for Thunder. Mm -hmm. Standing in the aisle way, um, target, uh, uh, Thunder understands... Um, touching the target, mm -hmm. do I have Thunder, do I ask Thunder to touch the target before the trigger happens, during that process, or after? I would touch him, I, I would ask him to do it, and I would set it up as a scenario if you can right. possibly do that, you know, so I, I have, you know, Janie sitting in the corner, and you're going, okay, when I say come, I would, I would first have him touching the target, so he's kind of in the mindset of, oh, I'm doing this thing that I love. So he kind of, his mindset is shifted from suspicion and I hate the cross ties, the cross ties, I have to get out the cross ties at some point. Instead of having him in that suspicious, I don't want to, the no defensive attitude, you get him into the, oh, I love this, this is good, this is a safe place. And so I start with that and then have the person come out and if it's early on, I would reinforce him when the person just leaves, the, just comes out, you know, for that initial point where it's just starting to happen because a lot of times they're technically called precursors where he starts realizing, okay, that person's about to approach. But as soon as they come out and they're still, you know, they're still way back there, that's the, the most success you're going to have usually, you know. So if I know, like, when, as soon as he gets to 15 feet, he bolts, he's gone. At 20 feet, I'm going to reinforce him because you know he's aware of her at this point. I'm going to reinforce him. 
and then have the person come a little bit closer, reinforce them a little bit closer, reinforce them, and then start again. So then have them walk, maybe come out and walk up to 15 feet within him, where that's kind of like his breaking threshold, and reinforce him for his good decision, and reinforce him, and then have the person come up, you know, and continue to walk on. And then I do it again and get a little bit closer, reinforcing the good approximations. It's going to, what I found is a lot of, because this is usually a fear-based thing, when you have fear-based issues, when you use a positive reinforcement to, come, to overcome them, they overcome them pretty fast. I break it down all, in all these little tiny steps. So people kind of can, can process in their head what steps they might need to go through. But it usually, the fear-based things, they don't want to be fearful. And when they have a place where they can get rid of it, they tend to want to, you know, and it settles right down. But through traditional training, we don't really bring them to a safe place or we don't put something in it for them that helps them to want to overcome it. You know, by utilizing foods and using positive reinforcement, something they want and desire, you're giving them a reason to go, ooh, i got to make a decision, and I really want to be good. I really want to get the reinforcement, you know? Yeah. So, so traditional training, we get after them a little bit, or we, yeah, you know, right. we try to yeah. correct them, Which, and that can add to their fear yeah. already. Yeah. That yeah, a lot sense? of horses would, would just assume you got after them than have to deal with, oh, my God, I'm tied up. So yeah. we've gotten some to the point now. He'll stand in the aisleway where the cross ties are uh-huh. with somebody holding him, and we can get Jamie to jump up out of the corner and run down the aisleway, and he hangs out there and touches his target. Uh-huh. What are markers that are going to tell us, the inexperienced junior on-target training trainers, tell us that our horse is ready to start being tied while we, while we do this? Where do okay. we go? When do we make that jump from person standing to tied, and how do we do it? Okay. Then when you see, and the things you're looking for is a total comfort with that person walking down the aisle. So that means you need to watch the, that body language that's going to tell you that. You know, when the person walks down the aisle, does his head raise up and the ears get all, you know, kind of, you know, you can just see that. In their, you know, their head raises up, their eyes get big. You can just see tension that comes in, in all of that. And if you're still seeing that, that means they're, they're making the right choice, but they're not really comfortable with the whole situation yet. So I want to see the head stays relaxed, the eyes stay soft, the mouth stays soft, the muscles stay, you know, everything about the horse says, I don't really care about this person walking down the aisle anymore. And when you see that, then you're ready to move to the next stage. But if you're still seeing the tension come in, and then he makes a choice and comes back to relax, you're on the right path, but he still needs more time to get really relaxed about it, you know, because once you add in, it's, when you add in the cross ties now, it's a, it's a different ball game. So you really need to make sure we're solid and good and have a good reinforcement history with that person coming down the aisle. So a good association. So a person coming down the aisle, good things, relaxed, calm, I like it, I'm not worried about it. Because any worry about it is going to just be compounded once you put them back to the cross ties and they feel restrained. So, okay, so now we see, let's say we see the head's down, the head's relaxed, they don't even seem to look at the person. Maybe one ear goes back, like, oh, yeah, I hear they're coming. But then they go back to all attention forward, no big deal, I don't care. When we get to this point, then we're ready to go towards the cross ties. But because they can be, you know, like sometimes horses are being clipped, they're completely fine when you're loose, but as soon as they're on the cross side, they're like, oh, no, I'm not, uh-uh, I can't, I'm, now I'm trapped. So uh, the next thing I would do is I would attach one side of the cross tie and the other on the lead rope. So you still kind of can, one, if something, if they get really 
wound up again and they get worried about things, you still can, you're not letting them get the success of breaking the cross tie. You still have a little bit of, you know, I mean, sure, they could to totally run, but you can kind of move around with them where they're still sort of attached, but they're not, they have enough leeway they can move around and feel a little bit of freedom. So it's kind of a compromise. You're kind of moving towards the more restrained situation. So it stands kind of on the other side of them, being the other cross tie, but it's a lead rope where you can, you can give with them and walk with them a little bit if you need to. So they're, they're not getting reinforced by that, removing themselves from the cross tie. So then I would repeat the same process. So one, tie's cross, one side's cross tie, the other side, I'm kind of being the other moving cross tie, if you will. Yeah. And so I'll stand there like a, just being like a cross tie, but if everything goes haywire, I can kind of move around, set them, get the target, you know, do the whole thing again. But So what I would then do is have Jane come out again, and I would go through the same little process. Have, you know, start, touch the target while you're kind of being pseudo cross tied and look for that relaxation. Most often, at this point, you may see a little bit of raising, but you'll see them sink right back into that comfort level because they're going, okay, okay, I know my new drill, and I like my new drill. Okay, so you go through the same process, and so you see them doing absolutely nothing when, you know, when the person walks down the aisle. When you see that, then you're ready to do the second cross tie. And I would still then, and as you are ready to do the, you know, the here comes the person, I would do the same process. I would use the target first and have them focusing on the target and then start, you know, as, and, as the person can walk all the way up. Again, you want to fade the target out of this. Maybe I haven't even said this yet. You want to eventually fade the target out of each of these scenarios because down the road you just want them to cross tie. You're not going to be standing there with all these things. You want them to just to get over their fear. You know, you're not sorry, like, I can't groom my horse. I don't have my target. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah you're looking like a one-man band, you know, like you've got all these things going on. So so then as you then as you start to fade the cross tie and the person can then walk down the aisle and just stand there, you can reinforce. You're still being the, the person at the head. You still have the cross tie or the target if you need to lift it up and say, target, remember, remember? But mostly at this point, you're probably, they're probably going to be no big deal. So now you've, you've reestablished, re they're kind of like scales that were out of whack. So there's a lot of weight on the side of the scale that said get out of the cross ties. So it's like, yeah, this is, the, this is what I want to do. This is the strong thing to do. But what we've done is by each and every increment of training, we've put more and more and more and more uh, weight on the side of the scale that says I want to make the right choice as opposed to what for us is the wrong choice. And as they, they do that. They get to that point where the, the choice that we want is the choice that they like because the, they yes. value the reward or the potential reward more mm -hmm. than they do the old reward, which was pulling the cross tie and not feeling trapped. And right, and getting to get away from that situation. Because really, at that point, they're going, yeah, yeah, it is worth all your corrections. It is worth hurting my head by jamming around and pulling these things. It's better than standing there and dealing with whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So, right, we've taught them a new decision. And the best, best way you can teach them to do anything is to teach them to make that decision. So it means you need to give them a little bit of leeway at first to make that decision. And that's why we start with the, the, the lead rope first, because they do have some decision-making, you know, right. and until you start to see them make the right decision, then you move up to a little more, you know, restraint. They make the right decision, then you move up to more. But when they're making that decision, it is solid, you know. Then they're, they're choosing to do it, and that, that makes the best potential there. And then once they, they get over the fear, like I said, it's not like they want to go around fearful. I mean, that's not, 
you know, that comes out of a, an instinct to need to run or get away or feeling fearful of things, but that's not something they want to. And as soon as you start to deal with, you know, doing like despooking work, doing this kind of work, which is essentially a despooking, you know, desensitizing exercise, you see them settle right in and you'll see them kind of blossom because they don't want to feel that worried about it, but they, they do for, you know, whatever thing we've missed in the training we, we've created or let this situation create itself. So yeah. it's really not that hard to do. And if I'm... And oh, now, wait please. a minute. It's not that hard to do for you. <laughs> <laughs> for those of wait. us out here trying to do this all by our little lonesome, it, it, it's a little harder than that. That's why we have you on to give us advice. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what, though? The principles behind this are so strong because these are proven behavior principles. I didn't make it up. It's not... You know, I've just learned to break it down and help people to understand it and put it into use. But these principles that are in effect are going to work for you. I mean, I get people all the time that go, it's amazing. He's so smart. I did, you know. So it, it really can work for you. It just, it, it, but sometimes we get a little bit lost what path to take. And I'm always here to help people and to help answer questions and get that success. But it really the system starts working for itself. So it's not like you have to go to battle with them. You just kind of wait and let them make decisions. You've got yeah. a little bit of time where you go, I'm just going to stand here and let you process and let you figure so, it out, you know, and as they yeah. start. And using a clicker definitely helps in this situation because you can pinpoint the moment in time, let, you know, because the clicker or, or whatever signal you want to use to tell them yes, it bookmarks that point in time. So let's say, okay, heads up, eyes are big, they're looking really fearful. You know, everything looks really stiff. And for a second, they soften and come down just a little bit. With a click, you can go, yes, that's the behavior yeah. I'm looking for. And they remember what behavior earned them a click. So then yeah. they start going, oh, every I'm time. Try that again. And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. They go, what got, how did I get that food? And so they go, oh, it's lowering my head. And pretty soon, they, they, they have their head on the ground. You know, I mean, they're just saying, lift your head up. Yeah. <laughs> because they start so, Shauna, remind our listeners where they can go to ask more questions when we as humans foul this up? <laughs> well, you can go to shaunacarish.com, but a great place to go is if you go to askshauna.com, right it brings you right to a question page where you can submit a question and I address it. And I'm going to reinstate my, um, I was doing teleseminars, and then I got where I was posting it on the blog, but I kind of realized I'm getting so many questions these days that I can deal with a lot more if I do a teleseminar. You know, I can sit and talk about these things. So it's a great place to go, and I can address the questions. And you can, if you also, if you go to the blog, which is on shaunacarish.com, I've addressed a lot of questions there. So there's a search bar. There's a lot of resources there to help people through it. But I'm certainly here to help people learn more about this and understand it and put it into effect because it, it's so effective. You'll, you'll just run with it from there. You'll go, it worked here. It's going to work here and here and here. And so, so I'm out there to help people to, to, to walk through this. So folks out there, if you love watching the light bulb come on above your horse's head, <laughs> stop by AskShauna.com and page through the questions that have already been answered. And if you have more questions about something that's been answered and you're still curious about other details, you can ask Shauna right there. And you can also listen to Shauna with tips over there on Horse Tip Daily. She stops by regularly and fills us in. So. Once again, thank you very much, Shauna. I'm going to give this, this little piece to a couple of the gals out at the barn who have chronic uh, horses who yank, pull, tug, and tear the barn down. And we'll, we'll be seeing you here on Horses in the Morning next month. Okay, that sounds great. Thank you so much, Jennifer, and Merry Christmas. Happy Merry ho, Christmas, Shauna. Okay, bye, you guys. Thank you. Well, there you go. To listen to all of Shauna's tips, 
Just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the experts drop down menu on the left. Surf right down there. All of our experts are alphabetized and easy to find, and you can enjoy all of Shauna's tips. You can also go to her website and ask questions at askshauna.com. Don't forget to support our sponsors on Horse Tip Daily because they really do make these podcasts possible. Today's sponsor has been Eco Gold. They make top quality saddle pads and protective boots for your horse. Ask for Eco Gold products by name at your local tax store. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like us to cover on the show. You can subscribe to all of the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zoom and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zoom, or MP3 player. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse! The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily. (laughs) 